0: Love Talk Radio. Dr. Anonymous Show 80, Parenting Song. Dr. Anonymous Show, where we go beyond the blog to bring you the best people in medicine and new media. I am, of course, your favorite physician host. I am Dr. A, and you can always find me at DrAnonymous.com. Today is Thursday, March 5th, 2009. It is 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Thank you for joining us this evening for the show. Tonight, that will be rebroadcasting, an interview we had with a, a physician, author, and blogger, Dr. Brian, uh, I'm gonna try his last name, Veratabedian. I, I know I said that wrong, I apologize about that. He is a, a pediatric GI specialist uh, from Texas. He is author of the blog called uh, Parenting Solve. You can get there at uh, parentingsolve.typepad.com. Dot com. And he's also author of the book Colic Solved The Essential Guide to Infant Reflux and the Care of Your Crying, Difficult to Soothe Baby. This uh, interview was originally recorded on January 29, 2009. And for that show, we had a special co host uh, for the evening. We had uh, Dr. Gwen O'Keefe, who is the creator of the website Pediatrics Now. Uh, and you can get there at pediatricsnow.com. Uh, and she's also has a blog called uh, Dr. Also earlier today, uh, Dr. Gwen premiered her own blog talk radio show called uh, A Dose of Dr. Gwen. I was there to uh, uh, to uh, check that out, and uh, that was uh, uh, very well done. There, you can get there at. Uh, blogtalkradio.com slash Dr. Gwen, and uh, she will be up and running uh, weekly uh, at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, right here on the network. So congratulations to uh, Dr. Gwen. Uh, Now, uh, following the playing of this uh, interview, uh, I'll have some commentary uh, uh, on the uh, healthcare uh, summit that uh, uh, took place uh, at the White House uh, today. Uh, But first, I do want to thank uh, Blog Talk Radio uh, for featuring the show again uh, this evening. Uh, We're also featured on iTunes, and welcome to those of you who are new to the show. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I am a a family physician in a full-time private practice here in beautiful Northeastern Ohio, and uh, uh, I've had uh, my blog for two years now on the show for uh, a year, even a year and a half now, so if you would like to... Join the show a little bit later this evening. Uh, the number here is uh, 646-716-9514. And if you're listening live, I usually see my uh, shining face on the webcam here. And uh, I'm a little bit of trouble with the camera this evening. I'll be working on that uh, as I play this uh, interview uh, for you in a few moments here. And I do want to give a high and hello to uh, everybody in the chat room there. Uh, hello, chat room. Uh, So we have Kenny, we have Amy and Burr, we have Ramona, we have Jane Says, thank you for being on the, uh, for uh, checking in the show here. We also have uh, Jesse, uh, the dead man, checking in uh, this evening, thank you for checking in on the show. Now, since I do have a little bit of uh, time here this evening, I do want to uh, remind you how you can uh, support the show, (laughs) or report the show, (laughs) Uh, but this is how easy it is to to support the show, and uh, all you have to uh, remember is... uh, dot com, dot net, and dot org. What am I talking about there? Uh, So, dranonymous.com is the blog, and dranonymous.net, N E T, takes you to the Facebook fan page, and uh, become my fan over there. And dranonymous.org, dranonymous.org, takes you right to my iTunes page where you can uh, download the show, you can show, uh, you can leave comments, so those are three great ways to support the show. And also, as always, you can subscribe to my Twitter. It's uh, twitter.com slash Dr. Anonymous. And I also want to uh, remind everybody, uh, it is a new month. It is March. Welcome to March. Uh, so I want to uh, just kind of highlight what's coming in uh, on the show uh, for this month. This Saturday, March 7th, will be another exciting edition of uh, uh, the Night Shift with Dr. A. We have uh, Kat in our chat room now, uh, Welcome, Kat, which uh, is my co host for that. We'll be talking about a lot of different things. You we'll just have to uh, check that out. That'll be 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here on the network for the Night Shift with uh, Dr. A. Uh, one week uh, from uh, tonight, uh, our guest will be a blogger named uh, Mud Futter, uh, who's a fourth year medical student. And we'll be talking about uh, his blog in the upcoming match day 2009. Uh, period. I said period. I'm dictating. Uh, in two weeks from tonight, on March 19th, I guess, we'll be the blogger uh, Trauma Junkie uh, from the blog called Surviving RT School. You can uh, Google that, uh, Surviving RT School. We'll be talking about the blog and also the exciting new blog carnival called A Source of Inspiration which features a respiratory therapy. We'll also have an uh, update from PodCamp Ohio at the end of the month. So uh, another jam packed month here on the uh, Dr. Anonymous uh, show. So I think I have all my uh, intro stuff here, uh, all uh, set here. So what I'll do is I'll take a quick, a quick little uh, musical break here. And uh, after this break, we'll be uh, playing the uh, recorded interview uh, from uh, January uh, with Dr. V, uh, and uh, also goes by Dr. Brian, and he is from ParentingSolved.typepad.com, uh, and that'll run about oh, uh, that'll run about 30 minutes. And uh, following that, um, I will uh, kind of share my comments with regard to today's healthcare summit at the White House. Uh, but before all that, you're listening to the Dr. Anonymous Show. Right here on walk Talk Radio, a proud member of the ProMed Network of Medical Podcasts. You can find out more information at ProMedNetwork.com, and we will be right back.
1: And welcome back to the Dr. Anonymous show. We have uh, Dr. Gwen on the line.
0: Dr. Gwen, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thanks, Dr. A. How are you tonight?
0: Good, good, good. How is the, how's the uh, the snow up your way?
1: Oh, it's horrible. We have snow, we have ice, we have lots of cold, and more ice.
0: <laughs> um, and uh, you're in the, the New England area up there. I
1: am. A, I'm in Massachusetts, no. in the Boston area, and we have more snow this year than I think we've had in like the last three winters put together. <laughs> a lot of uh,
0: stuff. Absolutely. Uh, I do want to thank you for coming on the show. I, I, I did talk about this a little bit on the show before, but uh, uh, you're going to be helping me out and uh, uh, coming on you know, probably about once a month to uh, just uh, talk about whatever. I mean, I know you're a pediatrician and I know that you're working hard on getting uh, uh, some guests for the show and uh, branching out and, and, uh, trying to get some interview, different people that I haven't uh, uh, interviewed before, so I definitely appreciate that.
1: Well, I appreciate the opportunity of coming on. I think it will be fun to pull some different people on the show and get some new conversations and voices. And I have been talking to a lot of really fun types of bloggers, and they're all really excited to try to get a chance to come on and chat with everybody.
0: Well, great, great. I did have a question for you before we bring in our guests. I know you probably got a, a lot of questions with regards to this uh, uh, peanut butter and salmonella thing in the news. Um, what, what, uh, what are you telling parents? What are you telling people about, uh, about the current situation with that?
1: Well, you know, it's obviously a sticky situation, and uh, parents are very, very nervous. But the honest truth is if you buy a peanut butter jar off your shelf, you're fine. It's the little prepackaged peanut butter cookies and crackers and other types of products that you have to worry about. The Hershey products are supposed to be fine, but anything else with the Austin brand label, you really have to be suspect about. I'm telling parents just to pack their own peanut butter sandwiches for their kids. You know, stick to, you know, the Peter Pan, the Skippy, the jarred stuff that they're buying on their own. Anything that comes in a box that's already made may have a problem right now.
0: Okay. Well, good, because I know I've gotten a lot of questions about that, too, when there's a lot of um, as everybody knows, good information and bad information out there, and uh, it's always uh, always good to get the right stuff. So uh, just you thank know, today
1: you for that information. The, uh, the recall's been expanded. They're now recalling everything from that plant that's been made over the past two years. So they're really concerned about what's going on at that plant. So I think uh, it's better to be cautious than to take a bite of something and regret it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, So before we bring in our guest, uh, I know that you know him uh, here a little bit. Uh, Why don't you tell us about our our, uh, guest that we're going to be talking about, and then I'll bring him on the line.
1: Well, Dr. Brian V., uh, Barbara Tanian, is a blogger and dad and uh, pediatric gastroenterologist from Texas Children's Hospital. He does a lot of great things, uh, including Getting involved with Twitter, he loves his iPhone. He's the one who um, actually got me addicted to the thing, I have to tell you. The man is just has his fingers in a lot of pots, like we all do. And he's a you know great example of a guy who's kind of practicing at a big medical center, but is also trying to blog and write and do the social networking thing. And I think he can um, share a lot of great experience.
0: Well, Grant, I think we have him on the line here. Uh, welcome to the show there, Dr. V.
2: Hey, how are you doing?
0: Good, good. How are you doing tonight? How are
2: you doing, Brian? Yeah, I'm doing good. Hey, Grant, how are you? I'm good. Hey, well, thanks good. for having me on. No, it's our, hey, no, our pleasure.
0: No problem. So you're down in there in Texas. What was the temperature down there today?
2: Oh, it's, it's been the 40s, 50s here. It's not been too bad, not like you guys. Uh, I did grow up in Boston, and I'm kind of getting used to this warm weather now, honestly.
1: <laughs> well, I'll send you some snow. Yeah. So did you do your babies R Us thing tonight?
2: Yeah, exactly. I got uh I got that email from Doctor A that you wanted to hook up a little earlier, but I was uh just over at Babies R Us doing a colic solve seminar. Um I've been doing seminars there for about two years and uh teach families about uh just about the basics of reflux and gas and burping and all that sort of stuff, and it's really well-received. So that's what I was doing right up until the final hour and until I hooked up with you guys here.
1: So is that how you came up with the idea to write your book?
2: Well, um, you know, my book, uh, All kind of was born of uh, the fact that I was seeing, um, you know, hundreds and hundreds of babies every, uh, you know, every year with kind of unexplained irritability. And uh, so many of these babies who – came in labeled with uh, you know, colic on their forehead, many of them uh, have been shown to be suffering with symptoms of uh, acid reflux, some with milk protein hypersensitivity, and so uh, many of these kids, when we identify them and treat them appropriately, they, uh, they, they get a lot of relief that they wouldn't have had just with the colic label. So after seeing these kids, decided to write the book, and uh, I started doing the seminar series right around the time that the book came out as a means of promoting the book, and it's worked out really, really well. If any of you are writing books, Babies R Us is a great venue.
1: Oh, way cool. Well, what about the blog? How did that fit into your big picture of your media plans?
2: Well, a blog is kind of interesting because I, I, you know, put, put up this really fancy website when my book was published and thought I was a big shot with this website. And when I realized that, uh, you know, Interactive communication with people and feedback and timely updates were really probably more important than a static website. So I kind of invested this time and energy in my com website, but around the same time, I started a blog just on the feeling that this might be a good way to uh, promote my personal brand, and uh, as it turns out, the, my blog really has been kind of the core way that I've, that I've promoted myself and promoted my book. Um, and it just was a valuable lesson to me. I wish I'd put the same resources into customizing my blog at the outset. But it was really an intention to, to promote my book and promote myself. And it's really taken off in that I only thought I'd do it for a few months, but it's something that's been a great outlet for me as far as uh, uh, rendering an opinion on things that uh, I otherwise wouldn't have been able to express an opinion on.
1: So what do you do with your website? Just ditch it, or is it still kind of floating about?
2: It, it's floating about, but It's static and it's, uh, yeah, it still gets a fair amount of traffic because I have it listed, unfortunately, in the book, so I don't want to take it down, but I'll probably just, uh, you know, uh, just sync it over to my blog, ultimately. I'm, I'm going to make some revisions of my blog and make it more of a, uh, evolve it as a website as opposed to just uh, just a blog.
1: So a lot of people ask me when I got into blogging, what did I do to start? What did you do to start? Did you just kind of Open up a blog, just kind of dive right into it, or did you do research?
2: I guess probably the biggest thing that I did, I probably didn't do as much research as I probably should have, quite honestly. Um, I think probably the way to go about, go about things at the outset is to really spend a lot of time seeing what's out there and uh, reading what other people are writing and, and see what people are saying. Um, and that's what I did. I probably should have done it more. Um, I read a couple of books. But, you know, two, three years ago, we weren't even quite as far ahead as we are now, quite honestly. I wrote a book called Naked Conversations, which was really good. Another book called Blog Wild, uh, which was very, very good. Kind of got me got me into things. But uh, probably the hardest thing that I've found is finding my own voice. Um, you know, there's a temptation to want to be like the next guy or to do exactly what someone else is doing. And I think that doesn't necessarily always work. Um, I think you have to speak from your own voice and uh, handle blogging the way that works for you, you know,
1: yeah, I kind of found that too that there's a lot of people trying to say similar things, and if you just kind of stay true to yourself and not try to be the next greatest thing that that seems to work best i think
2: no I think I think you're right, and it's one of the things I've struggled with is i've I'm not uh, anonymous with my blogging, and some I know some uh, some some of us are, and um I you know, work at a work at a large medical center. I work at Texas Children's Hospital in Houston. I'm very careful about what I write because I don't wanna, you know, wind up getting induced or being held accountable for something that's that I just say off the cuff. So I'm very, very careful about what I say. Um and it's been kind of interesting as I've evolved into Twitter, I found myself being far more impulsive with what I say. So I'm having to still be careful before I send those tweets out because when I write a blog post I'll read it over and think about it and uh, with, with a tweet, it's been kind of interesting. I'm uh, having to hold myself back sometimes.
1: Yeah, I've noticed you're a big fan of going to the Y a lot. We can track yeah, your right. every no. exercise move on Twitter.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, almost. Uh, uh, I've struggled with how much I should tweet because uh, every bowel movement, probably everybody doesn't want to know about it,
1: so. <laughs> What do you think that is about Twitter that makes people want to say more?
2: I don't know. I mean, I think it's interesting. I think Twitter is where – Twitter now is where we were with blogs four years ago. I think um, you know blogs were the were the new thing, and people it, it was more organic, and people uh, they were more like logs, or more truly like web diaries, and they've sort of evolved, and uh, blogs have morphed uh, into its own thing, and Twitter's kind of has that new energy and excitement that blogs had uh, four years ago. I mean, yeah, people are using Twitter, of course, for entirely different, for all, all kinds of different purposes, of course. Um, you know, it's like a cocktail party where people selling things, people always trying to push things, um, people talking about things you don't want to hear about, and um, I don't know. I think it gives people a, a voice that they in the community they wouldn't normally have.
1: Yeah, it's a little quicker too. You know, you get that sort of conversational thing going. You can't really do that on a blog unless you get in, involved with the comments. Yeah, and you know,
2: I I see. Twitter. You know Twitter is more of a place where i'll I'll impulsively make comments or make links to things that uh that i I might not do on my blog i I probably cover more medical information and my opinion on current state of children's health and active you know current issues in children's health and so I don't have much of a, a place for uh you know saying some of those really kind of impulsive or even funny things that i in my heart sometimes want to say and I'll sometimes send them out on a Twitter and it's kind of fun,
1: yeah, that is true. That is true. What about Facebook? Are you on Facebook, too?
2: I am on Facebook. I've been a little derelict recently, and I have people writing on my wall, and um, I, have, I have a bunch of people reading my blog feed. I have my blog feed into Facebook, uh, but yeah, I am, am on Facebook, and uh, uh, probably I haven't taken it up quite as probably quite as heavily or aggressively as I probably could have, but um, it's hard to keep abreast of all these social media platforms, quite honestly, and I think you have to be... You do as a as a physician and certainly as a writer. If you, I know when you're you're have have thoughts of a book in your head and you really have to allocate your time very very carefully and be very very careful. It, it, you can really get sucked into uh, sucked into some of these platforms to the point where it, it can impact your productivity very seriously.
1: Yeah, that is true. And um, I think some of these social media sites have different purposes than the others. I always struggle with. Facebook and who to friend and how much to post—that seems a, a bit more personal than the others. It's a little I, harder to figure that one out.
2: You know what I've had happen recently? And this is really, this is really kind of funny. I've had uh, a handful of patients in the past month uh, try to, you know, friend me, and I—it's it, an awkward situation. I've talked to some of my doctor peers about it, and they've just drawn a firm line that um, I'm not—I'm not linking up with with patients and patients' moms, and even though they don't have any other bad intent, it's 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 an area of my life I, I just sort of carve out a little bit, despite the fact that I'm relatively transparent on my blog and on Twitter. Uh, I just think it's kind of weird to be sharing pictures of my kids with, with you know, some 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 people. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I did the same thing. Even though I've got my blog and pediatrics now on Facebook, I just limit it to friends that are true friends. And just right. kind of keep it at that. It's just a nice, clean line. Keeps part of our lives kind of private. Do you see any of these things as evolving into something bigger? Like, what about clinical practice? Are any of these things going to kind of molt into something that we're going to have to do as doctors? Yeah, you know, there's,
2: there's been talk of, of using using Twitter for for clinical applications and following uh, following patients. So I, I think Twitter has a lot of potential as far as uh, communicating or improving the lines of communication between doctors and patients. I think as far as confidentiality, there are a lot of things that need to be sorted out. Um, uh, doctors have to get on board, too. I'm absolutely amazed at just how um, how behind so many doctors are with even understanding the concept of social media or interacting on the web in a social way. Um, I just you and I talked, I know at the American Academy of Pediatrics, we were uh, you know, talking about speaking and speaking at the Texas Pediatric Society and other places, people are just real resistant to hear about, to hear about blogging or hear about Twitter and they, and they think blogging is something that teenagers do on their cell phone. And so we have a long way to go as far as even educating, uh, educating our peers about what tools are, uh, are out there even available to, to use and, and work on.
1: Oh, I know. Hey, Doctor A, what do you think? How do you use Twitter? Do you use it for your clinical practice?
0: Um, actually, I don't. I just uh, I do use it uh, just mainly as, as a social uh, medium. But I know there's been a lot of discussion on how to utilize some of these uh, you know, media platforms. Um, I remember um, even a few years ago when when uh, um, the question of well, should uh, should physicians use email to communicate with with patients? But now there's there's Twitter and and uh, Facebook and all these different type of new media platforms, I don't think people have really kind of figured out you know, how to utilize them or, or if to utilize them, because I, I don't know as far as you know privacy issues and that type of thing, how, how all that plays out.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a lo- it's an incredibly loaded issue, and uh, I mean, even, if, even at Texas Children's, we, we're restricted from using email at this point for, for patient communications. They're very, very, very strict in that respect, but... Certainly, we have a long way to go as far as defining what's appropriate for social media interaction. But I just, I think with some of my chronic patients, it would be very, very cool to to get to be able to read updates at any point, or to be able to get feedback from a doctor at any point. Obviously, there have to be limits on it, but I just see it with some of my patients as having enormous utility. Even though, obviously, I can't, uh, I can't use it and shouldn't use it for that means at this point, you know.
1: Some sites are using kind of an electronic medical record email-like system, but um, through a contact form, where uh, patients can't email doctors directly, but submit a question through at least a contact form that can get either triaged by a nurse or go directly to a doctor, and that at least is a step closer to email, and I know some institutions are using that kind of system that at least allows some patient-doctor communication, kind of like an email, but there's a, still a time delay with that, but that may work for you guys. Uh, you know,
2: it's interesting. When uh, just I think a couple of weeks ago, I made a tweet that a patient had sent me a 2,000-word email, and they had got my email through my book. I have an information site, so they I don't take clinical questions from them, but this person decided to give it a shot, and it raises an interesting question that when you give when you give patients kind of a bully pulpit, it it's very likely that they'll you know, go on and on speaking about uh, giving you details and pieces of information that you just simply don't need. So I I can see email or email queries becoming very, you know, getting real quickly out of control because parents don't know when to stop giving you information. You know, they're, you know, salient pieces of information that a triage nurse gets when talking to a parent, and that's what makes the system so efficient. But when you just open it up for people to just send things in, and I get these periodically, It's very clear that patients don't know how much information we need to make decisions about their kids.
1: That's why a form's kind of nice, or even something like Twitter, where it's limited to like 140 characters. You got to say it in this amount, or the damn thing won't go through. Yeah, that's
2: right, right, right. You know, Twitter's really interesting. Got me thinking about my blog. I, um, you know, I have always read Kevin MD, and always fantasized about doing short, uh, short blog posts and. I probably evolved into writing shorter and shorter posts just because of my my own personal uh what i self diagnosed a d d but i I really try to i I'm, I'm really trying to carve down my my blog posts, and I found that I actually can say a lot more in a shorter period of time and i think I think people like it too personally
1: I think so too. Have you noticed a difference in your amount of comments per length of of blog post
2: uh hard to say it's too too short a period of time and i' um i you know, my, the content varies so much. So, so issues on vaccines uh, obviously uh, get a lot of traffic over the Bob Offit, uh the evisceration of the, or the, uh, the Sears uh, vaccine schedule that got an enormous, enormous amount of traffic. So, that was around the time that I kind of made that decision. But, uh, so the, the subject matter really, it really varies.
1: Yeah, and some of those topics you can't write in 400 words or less. So, there's no, not much else right. you can do unless well that might be where your website comes in. You could post a short little teaser on your blog and then refer people to your website.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, good point, good point. Depends, I'm trying to, get to use My fantasy is to have one uh, is to have one website that covers everything. I currently blog on TypePad and TypePad is expanding some of its capacity so that you can have separate pages on there. And I'm probably going to pull my book into my TypePad thing and change my URL to a one unified thing, I think having a bunch of websites is tricky for people as far as your, your personal branding efforts, you know.
1: Yeah, it can be. Although a lot of people have a website and a blog, and you just have to kind of keep them clean. If you have more than a website and blog, people, I think, get confused. But a lot of people do use both. What are you planning on doing next?
2: Uh, you mean book-wise?
1: Book-wise or next in the social media world?
2: Well, you know, I'm I'm trying to I'm really trying to hash out how social media even still for me fits into my fits into my big picture. Um, you know, I found myself caught up in caught up in Twitter to some extent over the past couple of months, and at times it's really taken its toll. Um, I have a couple of book projects or one book project that I'm formulating into uh, into a proposal at this point, and I've really found that. As much as the informational links I get from Twitter and the enjoyment I get from the community, I'm having very serious thoughts about how I allocate my time because it can really be a sink on my time uh, when it comes to doing creative knowledge work that a book requires. Uh, On the other hand, I want the relationships, I want the network, and I uh, want—I certainly want the information and the innovative or the you know the 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 things, the information that people are delivering, but. I'm trying to sort out how social media fits into my world, and I'm probably going to define that over the next year for myself and set some real limits and decide what my goals are. Um, I am focused on a new book at this point, and that's why I'm kind of having some of these thoughts, uh, kind of hooked on the the idea of the hygiene hypothesis and probiotics and some issues related to that, and that's what I'm looking at next.
1: Do you think you'll get into things like uh, podcasting or... A lot of docs are going into their own kind of on online TV shows or, you know, webcasts yeah. and that kind of stuff. Um,
2: Dr. M- – Dr. I don't know what his, his last name is. Dr. Mike out in – he just moved to Florida, Pediacast. He has one of the biggest uh, yep. pediatric podcasts in the country. And I've talked to him a couple of times or spoken with him a couple of times over the past six months. Um, he's He just moved to Florida. He's set up his own studio in his house, and things are going really well for him, and I've Fantasize about dabbling with uh, dabbling with podcasting and just haven't taken the plunge yet I have the microphone um, and then so on and so forth but I just haven't taken the plunge just because it's this whole issue of time allocation I mean I bear, I feel like with my professional life and my family life I barely have enough time to write and uh, compose interesting blog posts um, i I'd, I'd love to get into podcasting I've thought about blog talk radio too but it would be nice to own my own my content, too. And so, I don't know. Uh, is this something you're, you're thinking about, Gwen? I know you were you were flirting with the idea, weren't you?
1: Um, I have been flirting with the idea, but I'm in a bit of a different situation than you since I don't have as full a clinical life. So, right. um, I have a little more time to kind of structure my media life um, and push right. it in a few different directions. But I'm in the middle of a big book project, so as you alluded right. to earlier, you have to kind of bear down and get that thing done first. So once that albatross is off my neck, I think um, podcasting and revamping my own website and blog will come next. But, yeah, I think um, I've talked to some friends who are doing things similar to Dr. Mike, and uh, I have a a similar fantasy that, you know, if you want to do podcasting, I think ultimately uh, finding a way to own it and uh, do it is the way to go. And I've been talking to some folks in Boston who are – who used to be affiliated with some of the network news stations who know how to do that, but it's just a matter of kind of taking the time and the plunge and figuring out where to do it.
2: Chris Brogan recently, um, those of you who read Chris Brogan, he recently in the past month had a great blog post about some of the big podcasting sites that have apparently gone under recently, and uh, as a as a as a money making model, apparently it wasn't quite as great a cash cow that people thought it would be, and so it was very, very interesting to read that, so, uh, but I don't know really how the bears out because I don't have much knowledge about it, but, um, you know, I don't, when I look at social media, I don't look at ways to monetize it necessarily. I know many times people do. They get right on Twitter and they want to try to find a way to, to, wait and to make money or uh, find a quick way to make money on their blog by loading up with uh, ads and ad lines and so on and so forth, but I guess I see my involvement in social media as part of an overall brand strategy is, um, uh, man, it's worked for me. I've had media spokes and physicians and the book and this and that. And I guess I don't find that I need to try to make money on Twitter. Perhaps I'm, I'm fortunate because I'm a physician. I have other means of income and other people don't have that. So I guess I can understand their wanting to make money. But I, uh, I think that's just really interesting.
1: Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, you could make money off of some of these venues. I think a lot of people find that it's nickel and dime stuff and where the real money is, um, is maybe networking and finding uh, better consulting jobs or maybe some sponsors for what you're doing. You know, it's like the blogs. You can kind of make some money off of the ads, but it doesn't really amount to gigantic money. So – but, yeah, people talk about that all the time, you know, how do you make money off of this, that, and the other. But I think it's the networking and just finding uh, better – for me, you know, I'm always looking for better places to write and people to help me get to the next level of what I want to do in the media world. That is more value to me than putting an ad on my blog. But
2: for uh, other people,
1: you know, they might want a a stronger ad network.
2: Even even writing books. I mean, those of you, anyone who's listening who's thinking of – uh, authoring a book in order to make a lot of money—it's probably not going to happen. Statistically, it's unlikely to happen. Even when you publish with a big, a big, big publisher, uh, you really have to sell a lot of books. You have to have, be a be a, a real phenom in order to uh, really make money. So, writing books is just really not the way to just uh, solidify your personal brand or whatever message you want to get out. Uh, and you can make a lot more money doing speaking and. Uh, media spokesperson work and that sort of thing, um, than you than you ever will with uh, with the book. But everyone wants to everyone wants to talk to an author. Once you have a book, everyone wants to talk to you, and uh, you can write a book about anything. And if you're an author, you're you're suddenly the expert on it. It's a sad reality. So
1: yeah, someone once told me that the book was just the door to getting to those you know speaking gigs and the spokesperson yeah. gigs and that kind of stuff.
2: That's absolutely so, right. That's, so absolutely that's why right. I'm just you
1: know scrambling to get the thing done.
2: Yeah, 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 and you know, it's it's uh, it's uh part of what you do, so anyway. So
1: is there going to be a Colic Solve 2? No,
2: no, there isn't. I'm I'm still working on pushing Colic Solve 1. Um, it's doing well. It always could do better. Uh, we suffered with the fact that uh, Barnes & Noble never picked it up, and so we missed. Uh, that was a, a big deal for us, but um, I did a national, kind of a national tour with Babies R Us, and they picked it up, and we sold a lot through Babies R Us, and... Uh, Borders has been very nice to us, and uh, it's grassroots stuff. You know, you you really have to you really have to hustle if you're an author. You gotta you gotta be scrappy, and you gotta look for avenues to, to push your book. And so, um,
1: and just so uh, our go on, listeners know, you published the Real Way. You had an agent, and you published with a mainstream publisher. So, and you're you're still scrambling to get this thing sold.
2: Well, yeah, always. It actually, you can make the argument that with, even with a with – a, someone told me that even when you're publishing with uh, Simon & Schuster or whatever, you, your mindset still has to be as if you're self-publishing because after eight, eight to 12 weeks of publicity help that they give you, the book is kind of on its own. Um, and these big publishers are like – they're like venture capital people. They'll invest in a whole bunch of books, and they know that one or two are going to stick and make them their money. So um, the, the fantasy that a big publisher is going to do all the work for you is really nothing more than a fantasy. They'll give you the distribution and all that, and, uh, but you still have to work just like it's a self-published book. So
1: oh, That's great advice. I never thought of it that way, but it's true. You end up stomping the ground yourself and making those contacts once they're done with their little um, PR commitment to you.
2: Right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There was a
1: um, a little chat going on a few minutes ago in the uh, chat room about different blog platforms, and I was just curious how you've liked your blog platform. You mentioned you were on TypePad, and some people had some strong opinions that that was an older platform and some liked the newer platforms, and uh, I just wanted to see if you wanted to weigh in on that.
2: You know, I, it's it's hard to say because that's all I've ever used, so I really can't speak from experience. I know you're on Blogger, Gwen, and... Um I the the big thing that I've run up against with Typepad has been very recently in trying to find a web uh, a web person or a web developer designer who specifically will work with Typepad. Apparently Typepad is much more difficult to customize. If you look at a lot of a lot of the great blogs on on the internet that that are really super duper customized and look beautiful most of them are WordPress, and apparently, it's uh, it's just a lot easier to work with as far as developers are concerned. And so, I've been having a real hard time, and so I think it's really frustrating for me. As far as support, I've loved it, um, and I guess and I've I've had no complaints. So I'm really pretty happy with it. My only complaint is the customization.
1: Yeah, it's. Um... You know, Interrupting with Blogger, Blogger doesn't have a lot of customization per se, but a lot of people are modifying WordPress platforms and templates to that. So I'm currently migrating my old Blogspot URL over to a custom URL, and once that's done, I'm going to get a web designer to redesign my um, template just to you know, do some of the WordPress features and get more Web 2.0 stuff right. and make new pages. You can't do that on Blogspot itself. But WordPress right. crashes, and I was about to migrate the blog over, and a friend of mine told me, "Don't do that. The thing crashes all the time." So I chose to not do that and just uh, get my custom domain name, and uh, then figure out the template later. Because you want it to look nice, you know. You want it to have all those little pages and
2: be able no, to absolutely. do all the fancy
1: we, little things.
2: And we talked about this in Boston. You know, you, you 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 want to think about an overall branding strategy for yourself, and you you want your blog to kind of look similar to to whatever, whatever speaking materials you have, and so ultimately at some point you have to pull it all together and make it look as professional as you can, and again, I never thought that my blog would ever go more than two, two months or so, and I'm, 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 it's still an outlet for me at this point, and it's been a great, great, it it'd be the number one thing I'd recommend for any author, uh, it's a great way to get a presence.
1: Hey, Dr. Um, a, we've got a couple more minutes. I was wondering if you had any other questions for Dr. Brian before we wrap up. I think,
0: up? Uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, we've had somebody on hold here. I think um, um, maybe they have a question here. Let me try to bring them on the line here. Hello, who's this, and, and what is your new media question? Hello, Skype caller.
2: Let's see a Frank call.
1: We lost the caller.
0: Yeah, maybe not. Um, let's see here. I did have some notes here. Um, so, how do you uh, how do you pick what you're going to write about on your blog? Do you have a, an idea, or you just sit down and just kind of go with it? What do you have at the time? Or,
2: um, you know, some of it is is you know you, you see some of it's personal reflection based upon the things that I experience and the things that I see. I try to add a practical real-world bend on things uh, that I see and things that confuse parents. Sometimes I'm just, uh, you know, surfing around, stuff I'm finding, stories I'm finding that strike a nerve with me. Um, You know, the vaccines are a big trigger for me, and I'm really passionate about vaccines, and I try to use my blog to educate families. Um, I think there's a lot of anti-vaccine rubbish out there, and they kind of dominate Google, and uh, so I'm kind of doing my part when I can. I've been tempted to turn my entire blog into an anti vaccine blog because it gets so much traffic that way, and I'm so passionate about it but um, i've I've avoided doing that and i am trying to stick with a variety of parenting topics
0: um and probably my uh my last question for you uh there, there was a, I got a question through Twitter if you can believe that uh, there was a question about uh sermo, and for people who don't know what that is, it's kind of a uh, a physician. Uh, chat uh, networking type site. Do either of you have any uh, thoughts on CERMO? I am
2: I I have. Uh, I was contacted by them uh, a month or two ago, and they were hounding me to join on. I just haven't explored it. Um, I, it's my understanding that it's a social networking site. I don't have much experience with it at all. Gwen, have you used it?
1: I haven't used CERmo, but I did use uh, one of the other social networking sites um, that I consulted to a while back, and um, I just found that they didn't offer me any huge advantage um, compared to what we've been doing on Twitter or Facebook as uh, you know, for example, as a group of bloggers. And Osmosis uh, seems like they have more features for physicians. Um, I haven't really explored the site in depth, but I've been impressed by their model and um, the thought put behind what they're doing. But, you know, social networking designed just for physicians, I think, might be limiting. I kind of like just kind of this eclectic conversation that evolves on Twitter where you get some docs and some other people and you just get a nice um, kind of community feel. The CERMO site, every time I've gone on, it's – it can be a lot of soapbox stomping, and that just doesn't work for me. It might work for other people. It, it
2: depends what you're trying to do, too. If, if, again, your your overall strategy is to connect with, you know, my market, at least for my book, is parents and moms and allied health professionals, and I've, you know, connected with a lot of people that way that I wouldn't have connected on a physician-only side. Although there are times that I wish I could spout and uh, stomp my Feed a little bit and complain about patients without without you know being heard. But uh, I don't know.
1: You know, SturmO does offer some um, interesting opportunities to make a few bucks if you want to do a product review. And I know they have some CME opportunities. So for some people, I think it works out for that. I think it's helpful for a practicing physician. I'm not sure it's helpful for people that are into media. And a bunch of other things. But um, it does have some message boards, and I know some people that found them helpful in answering clinical questions. But then there are message boards on Medscape and other places too. I guess it depends on how involved you want to be online. Yeah, yeah.
0: So that uh, ends our uh, pre recorded interview. So I do want to thank uh, Dr. V, and uh, you can. Find his blog at parentingsolved.typepad.com. Also has a book entitled Colic Solved, The Essential Guide to Infant Reflux and the Care of Your Crying, Difficult to Soothe Baby. So uh, I want to thank him for being on the show. I do want to apologize to him for not getting the show out sooner. Uh, We uh, uh, originally recorded that at the end of January, so my apologies uh, to him uh, for not getting the show out uh, sooner and also want to thank uh, uh Dr. Gwen uh for being the uh, co-host for that show. You can find her at uh, pediatricsnow.com and uh, she also has a blog called uh, drgwenisin.com and as i mentioned earlier uh, she uh, uh jumped in the pool <laughs> as it were to start her own blog talk radio show her first show was today. It is entitled A Dose of Dr. Gwen, and I was able to check that out, and I encourage you to check that out as well here on the network, she did a great job. She's going to be trying to do a Thursday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern time. You can get uh, all the information at uh, pediatricsnow.com and also at drgwen.com. So I think what we'll do is we'll take a little bit of a break here, A little bit of a musical break, and then we will switch gears. We'll be talking about the uh, healthcare Summit, which uh, took place uh, at the White House today. Um, I do have some thoughts on that, and I'm sure that you probably do, too. So you're listening to the Dr. Anonymous show right here on Blog Talk Radio. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Welcome back to the uh, Dr. Anonymous show, and uh, I do want to uh, take another uh, look at uh, the chat room there. So welcome everybody in, in the chat room. Uh, we have Kimmy, we have Annie and Burl, we have Jesse, we have Kat, the Epi Junkie, we have the Q in the chat room, we have Eric, we have Grunt Doc, greetings uh, Grunt Doc, we have Mitty Betty Mary, and the Trauma Junkie all joining us live this evening. And I also want to welcome those of you who are listening on the archives. So thank you for joining us uh, here uh, this evening on the show. So I want to switch gears now here, and uh, before before I start my comments and commentary, uh, I do want to get just uh, my disclaimers out of the way first. So I am not a um, health health policy expert. I am not a political pundit. I'm just, just a grassroots doc who sees this stuff every single day. I just speak what I think. You may not agree with me. That's okay. I still love you. I may offend you, and I, I'm sorry about that. So getting that out of the way. So today in Washington at the White House, we had uh, the, uh, the health care summit. The president had his health care summit uh, today. I think there were about 100-plus people there. Uh, talking healthcare, he he uh, he mentioned this in his uh, State of the Union speech, or is his talk to the joint session of Congress. I think it was last week. Uh, so uh, so today it happened. And just kind of to put the framework here for you before I kind of start my comments, uh, the current numbers now is as, as can I as I've been reading today, uh, 46 million people in America without health care and of course this is going to increase with this economic downturn that we are in right now and in my reading today I've seen that uh, the number 14,000 Americans lose their health insurance every day I see that in my office I have blogged about it I've talked about it Uh, I even put it on my blog I think a couple of days ago here in this county this county of ohio the county just released information stating that the unemployment numbers here in this county are 13 percent which is way above state averages it is way above national averages and what i talk about with my patients every day as I talk about, you know, who lost their job today? Who in this patient's family, or even the patient himself or herself, lost their job today, or in the past few months? You know, this is this is smack dab right here, in the middle of the Rust Belt. It's been like that for a long time. You know, and to let people know, you know, one of our, you know, major. Employers, not in this county, but in the neighboring county, is a General Motors assembly plant. And everybody knows that General Motors has been in the news. And, you know, there's been a lot of debate, especially around here, about taking bailout money and that type of thing. If that assembly plant, that GM plant closed, I mean, the the ramification of this locally here, would just be devastating. So, it's been a lot a lot of, you know, debate about, you know, what should be done, you know, to keep that open or as some pundits have said nationally, just let General Motors crash. So, but I don't want to get into that, but that's some of the local debate that's, that's been happening around here. Now in all of my in all of my reading today, um, it's also said that consumers and the government uh, pay 2.4 trillion dollars with a T for healthcare in 2008, just last year, and in 10 years, healthcare could be 4.4 trillion dollars. I can't I can't even I can't even imagine what that is. I can't even I can't I can't even you know. I mean, well, what, the heck, what the heck is a trillion dollars? So uh, so I was able to, to grab uh, – this, uh, this is about a five-minute uh, soundbite here from, uh, from the president from this morning as he opened the uh, health care summit. And I'll let this play out here, and then I'll have some uh, comments uh, after that. Here's the president this morning as he opens the health care summit at the White House.
3: As we work to determine the details of health care reform, We won't always see eye to eye. We may disagree, and disagree strongly, about particular measures. But we know that there are plenty of areas of agreement as well, and that should serve as the starting points for our work. We can all agree that if we want to bring down skyrocketing costs, we'll need to modernize our system and invest in prevention. We can agree that if we want greater accountability and responsibility, we have to ensure that people aren't overcharged for prescription drugs or discriminated against for preexisting conditions, and we need to eliminate fraud, waste, and abuse in government programs. I think most of us would agree that if we want to cover all Americans, we can't make the mistake of trying to fix what isn't broken. So if somebody has insurance they like, they should be able to keep that insurance. If they have a doctor that they like, they should be able to keep their doctor. They should just pay less for the care that they receive. And finally, we can all agree that if we want to translate these goals into policies, we need a process that is as transparent and inclusive as possible. And that's why I've asked all of you, representatives of organizations, interests, and parties from across the spectrum to join us here today. In fact, this was the hottest ticket in town. (laughs) That's why we asked concerned citizens like the folks on this stage to organize open meetings across America where people could air their views. As Travis said, more than 3,000 meetings were held in all 50 states and D.C. More than 30,000 people attended. I thank them for their input and their ideas and look forward to reading the report that Travis has presented to me. In this effort, every voice has to be heard. Every idea must be considered every option must be on the table. There should be no sacred cows. Each of us must accept that none of us will get everything that we want and that no proposal for reform will be perfect. If that's the measure, we will never get anything done. But when it comes to addressing our health care challenge, we can no longer let the perfect be the enemy of the essential. And I don't think anybody would argue that we are on a sustainable path when it comes to health care. Finally, I want to be very clear at the outset that while everybody has the right to take part in this discussion, nobody has the right to take it over and dominate. The status quo is the one option that's not on the table, and those who seek to block any reform at all, any reform at any costs, will not prevail this time around. I didn't come here to Washington to work for those interests. I came here to work for the American people, the folks I met on the campaign trail, the people I hear from every single day in the White House. Folks who are working hard, making all the right decisions, but still face choices that no one in this country should, should have to make. How long to put off that doctor's appointment. Whether to fill that prescription. When to give up and head to the emergency room because there are no other options. I've read some of the many letters they've sent asking me for help. And they're usually not asking for much. I don't, I don't get letters where people are just asking for a free ride for a handout. Most of them are embarrassed about their situation. They would rather not have to ask for help. They start usually by saying that they've never written a letter like this before. Some end by apologizing, saying they've written to me because they have nowhere else to turn, asking me not to forget about them, not to forget about their families. But there are a lot of people out there who are desperate. There's a lot of desperation out there. Today I want them and the people like them across this country to know that I have not forgotten them. We have not forgotten them. They are why we're here today, to start delivering the change they demanded at the polls in November, that they have continued to demand since the election. And if we're successful, if we can pass comprehensive reform, these folks will see their costs come down, they'll get the care they need, and will help our businesses create jobs again so our economy can grow. So it's not going to be easy, and there are going to be false starts and setbacks and mistakes along the way, but I'm confident if we come together and work together, we will finally achieve what generations of Americans have fought for and fulfill the promise of health care in our time. And what a remarkable achievement that would be, something that Democrats and Republicans, business and labor, consumer groups and providers, all of us could share extraordinary pride and finally, dealing with something that has been vexing us for so long. So, let's get to work. Thank you.
0: All right. So, so I play that just to, uh, just to be fair. You know, and uh, what I'll do is just kind of uh, parse out my comments in basically just two areas uh, to finish up the show here this evening. And the first is to kind of analyze and to look at You know, some of the stuff that actually was said and then uh, following that, what it actually means in the big picture. Now, some quotes that I wanted to get um, that I was not able to find uh, anywhere to uh, put on the show uh, this evening is uh, to share some of the comments that uh, that were made, especially by the president at the end of the day. Um, I saw those right before I uh, went to dinner this evening. And uh, some of the things that he said, these are some of the things that he said, uh, that he did say when he was talking about doctors, um, that primary care physicians are very important. I like hearing that. Uh, That, uh, you know, Medical students and those in training aren't going into primary care. I liked hearing that. Uh, payment, you know, people like to say reimbursement. I would like to say payment must be addressed. I like that. And, and another thing he said is that uh, we have to look at the data, in air quotes. I'm quoting. We have to look at the data. What does that mean? Didn't really go into it. And uh, you can kind of see in the past, especially with this uh, stimulus bill, what the data could mean that they're looking at. Does that mean quality data? Does it mean the cost? So if it is an expensive procedure, uh, then they're not going to pay for it. The government is not going to pay for it. So that's something that's very interesting to me that I'm going to be you know, definitely looking uh, looking at that. Uh, and another thing that, that I liked um, at the end of the uh, I wouldn't call it a press conference, but I guess a close of the day was the President uh, called on the, uh, the President of the American Academy of Family Physicians, my professional organization Um, and a guy um, whose name is uh, Dr. Ted Epperly and I've met him he's a really good guy but uh, uh, Dr. Epperly got up and spoke at at the at the end of this uh, gathering and one of the things that he said is that he'd like to work with the government with the White House with the Congress on workforce issues what does that mean and Dr. Epley said, "We well, he wants to make sure that there are enough family docs, enough, 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 this universal health care legislation that's going to be coming through. Because if they do this and have everybody have universal health care, there's already been studies that's out there. There are not enough family docs. There are not enough primary care docs to handle the type of workload, which will have a whole other set of unintended consequences. Dr. Epoly, I'm paraphrasing what he said here. He says we hope these patients will have a place to go for care, (laughs) meaning enough family docs, meaning enough Primary care docs, and what I did like from the president is that he called on the leader of you know primary care or the family docs. Or I should not say all of primary care, but the family physician president didn't you know look out or call on somebody from the American Medical Association, the AMA, uh, which I thought was uh, very uh, interesting. And uh, I thought that was uh, I thought that was uh, pretty interesting there. I think I'm having some uh, I think I'm having some uh, sound problems here. How, how's, how's that? Sound? Uh, I think I was having some sound problems during that. Such an awesome commentary that I, I was having some sound problems. <laughs> so I hope this picked it up because I, I cannot even put that together again. <laughs> uh, so those are just some thoughts with regards to you know, the specific things uh, that were said at the, uh, at the end uh, of the day. Uh, but I want to just kind of close this commentary by saying, well, what does it all mean? I mean, does is, is, is anything that happened today is it really is it really going to shape uh, legislation? Is it really going to matter in the big picture? And as people that have uh, uh, as people have uh, have seen on my blog today, I, I made a little bit of a video uh, commentary on this. And, uh, and basically saying, you know, it does not even matter, I don't think, in my personal opinion, that anything that happened today is going to change what the White House and what Congress is going to be doing with their version of health care reform. I mean, they're going to push through their agenda I think today and, and I think I said it in my video and I think people have quoted me on other blogs that this is this is a big this is just a big dog and pony show. It is just just a way for them to say, We heard you, we will take it under advisement, but we're gonna push through what our vision of what healthcare reform would be—it's going to be some kind of universal healthcare. It's going to be nationalized healthcare. Some people call it socialized medicine. That is what it's going to be. So, it was nice hearing all those quotes today. It was nice, you know, kind of having this feel-good type of thing as far as, you know, this—we uh, we hear you, we feel your pain, all that kind of stuff. I don't think it's really going to matter but we'll just kind of have to see what happens over the next uh, uh, few weeks. So I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong about this. Um, but you know, in the big picture, and in, in, in reading some of these news articles and stuff, you know, when it comes to healthcare, people are like, you know, the White House, Congress should really be focusing on the economy First, and then kind of everything else, including healthcare, you know, after that. So, which is kind of a—it's—it's a—it's a pretty good argument. But you know, this, this issue really, uh, obviously, hits home with me. This is my job. This is what I do every day. So, I was very curious in following the news today, and kind of seeing what is said. And we'll compare that to what is actually done. So, um, and I could be wrong. <laughs> so it's uh, so that's, uh, that's 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 my commentary on that. So thank you everybody for listening to that. Thank you. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would call it a rant, <laughs> but it's just. It is my concerns uh, for you know what I think happened today, um, and what's going to be happening uh, in the future. And uh, yeah, there there is uh, uh, comments in the in the chat room that uh, the uh, the CNN uh, commentator uh, Sanjay. Gupta took his name out of the uh, running of uh, for uh, surgeon general. So uh, I am going to uh, call the white house tomorrow and put my name in and uh, see if I can uh, get a piece of that deal. you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> All right. So, so I think that's it. So uh, I'm just going to end the show here early. So... Uh, uh, again, I want to uh, thank uh, my guests on my uh, pre-recorded uh, interview that I played back tonight. Uh, so that is uh, Dr. Brian, and uh, his blog is called, uh, or his, yeah his blog is called uh, parenting solved dot uh, dot com, and uh, his uh, book is called Colic Solved. And I also want to thank uh, Dr. Gwen for uh, being a part of that interview. You can find her at uh, Uh, PediatricsNow.com, and also uh, DrGwenIsIn.com, and also right here on the network uh, for a dose of Dr. Gwen every Thursday, 4 p.m., right here on the network, and before I go, I just want to give some shout-outs here to uh, um, to some people out there, so uh, right after this show, uh we'll be uh damage inc will be at the uh, half past the hour here and uh, that'll be it's always a a good show to check out i uh, also want to uh mention annie and burrow live wednesdays and uh, saturdays at the uh, 10 p.m eastern time here in the network and uh, the landview lowdown which will be is on a hiatus right now will be coming back uh, monday evenings I, I don't think they've uh, picked a the time yet maybe five or six uh, p.m uh, Eastern uh, time, and uh, the Woodshed Radio Show, Sundays at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time, and uh, uh, the Alamo Hour, so you can find those on Friday. I don't know when their next one is, but you can check that out. You can do a search on Blog Talk Radio, uh, and also a shout out there to Q in the, uh, in the chat room there, uh, Sin City Sessions. I believe that is uh, uh, midnight Eastern time on Tuesdays, so uh, check that out as well. And, uh, again, I want to give some shout-outs here to the uh, shows coming up one week. uh, Oh, actually, uh, this Saturday will be uh, the night shift with Dr. A, 9 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday night. One week from tonight will be uh, Mud Fudder, his blog, the same name. He's a fourth-year medical student. We'll be talking about uh, the upcoming Match Day uh, 2009. Two weeks from tonight, we'll be having uh, Trauma Junkie, who's in the chat room uh, right now, the uh, blog is called Surviving RT School. We're talking about the blog and the exciting uh, new blog carnival called A Source of Inspiration, which features respiratory therapy. So I think that's all I have for you this evening. So uh, thanks a lot for stopping by. I'll see everybody Saturday night for the night shift with Dr. A. And we'll have this closing song and uh, have a good week. And I will see you... This weekend, if I can find a closing song here, uh, let's see here, I'm trying to drag this out here with my with my awesome hosting skills, because I'm trying to find a specific song here, uh, here we go, so uh, see everybody Saturday, if I can hit play, then I can get out of here. And uh, this is the Dr. Anonymous Show. You can find me at DrAnonymous.com. Good night from the Buckeye State. We'll see you later.